All right, so I'm just recording now. Welcome to Podcast Nonsense. This is episode 10. I've got Juliana, James. Bravissimo. Happy How to you be doing? here. Good. You, talk, you gotta get like in there. In it? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. This is it's like an eclair or something else just like staring at my face. Yeah. It's just <laughs> right up in you. Um, did you see the eclipse last night? No, I slept through it. I actually thought it was tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like Saturday night, and they're like, oh, no, wait, they meant like the morning night period, so yeah. it's, yeah, I missed it. Yeah. But I've seen the other blood moons, and those are pretty intense. This one was supposed to be like Fast and Furious. Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. I didn't wake up for it. No, for I sure, didn't. For sure. But the blood moon last time, I, I like uh, stayed up and watched. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a couple. Like, I found out I missed it this morning because I got on Facebook, and like some yeah. old guy, like, from work actually just like had it posted up but like beautiful pictures like he had a great time yeah. and i'm like oh well damn it because i was planning on doing that tonight <laughs> well everybody i mean like if you stay up for the eclipse you have to like pretend like it was a big deal on social yeah. media right oh well, yeah just like <laughs> on facebook he just posts like pictures of, like a sacrifice lamb <laughs> like out in his backyard totally normal it was behavior. for the blood moon one i was down yeah. in uh, los feliz like at the base of the uh, observatory and it was just like it was backed up all the way through down mm. to like hollywood boulevard and there was like there's you there's see no it, way i was going up there. you see it clearly like i just was like i was in silver yeah, I just, lake and i just, I just like opened a, a door and, and i was like oh, there it is there it is yeah <laughs> yeah we made it there were like drunk people walking by that night and i was yeah. like look up look yeah. up like nobody knew it was going on. <laughs> <laughs> i always like it when that happens where you're just sort of like driving around la and then you look up and you're like oh wait i can see nature yeah i can see like things it doesn't happen often no out here <laughs> um so i know you from nickelodeon yes and over at nickelodeon you were you know i i don't really know like quasi like i quasi know what you were in charge of over there i know yeah. you did like uh like focus groups and development and stuff like that but i don't yeah so i mean I did a couple things while I was at Nickelodeon. I was there for about three years, and I started as a traditional development exec. Mm -hmm. So take pitches, meet writers, meet new talent. Um, because you meet a lot of different people, it gives you the chance to sometimes maybe someone isn't ready for development or their own show, but they're kind of looking for work. So mm -hmm. you can just refer them over to current series or different line producers if there was something that I thought they might find interesting too. So it's a little bit – it's not recruitment per se, but it's just through exposure you end up – meeting everybody with time okay and then okay. um so just traditional fare working on pilots uh and then eventually i transitioned into the shorts program with mary harrington which is, i think when i started really working with you a little bit more right and on that one i was an associate producer mm -hmm. which is effectively the same thing that i was doing as a development executive just with a little more autonomy over like the selection of the projects and the way we were staffing them up um in animation, it's different. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the role of the network executive is sometimes a little bit more hands-on and sometimes a little bit hands-off depending on who you're working with. Mm -hmm. Where, like, creatively, you always want to make sure that the person you're working with is getting their point across clearly. Yeah. And just depending on their experience level, you might have to explain a couple more things to them versus someone that you just, like, you know, give them a directive and then they kind of go off on their way. Mm -hmm. But the goal at the end of the day is still to just make sure that what people are going for is what's actually coming across and that it's the best version of that. Okay. Um, so, but it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like you get to meet um, just interesting artists. Some of them are a little bit more eccentric than others. Um, and then there's a lot of travel too. 
So just going around to conventions, just around across the country, comic book shows, designer conventions, uh, just meeting different people. Do you guys um, do you guys reach out? You guys, I, I mean, obviously you reach out to people that have like high followings and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Like it, sometimes when people have high followings, it just means it's more opportunities for you to come across their work. Mm-hmm. But it's really more about the content. So yeah. if someone's got like a, like their Twitter is amazing. I had this agent send me like a Twitter account for their writer. And I'm mm. like, dude, where's the sample? Like, right, right. <laughs> where's his script? <laughs> I'm like, I get it. He's funny. Wonderful. Like I'll do- totally like yeah. play a drinking game with him. Right. But right. I still want to know, like, can he write a script? Can, can he write 11 minutes of content or a half yeah. hour of content? Whatever it yeah. is that we're looking for. I mean, it's good to get a sense of someone's raw voice mm. and their tone. Cause that's, that's the best way to know if they're going to work out or sure. even know if they're going to like what I'm going to show them and mm-hmm. they want to do it. But uh, no, it's all about the content. It doesn't matter if someone's super famous or if somebody's like waiting tables at like a restaurant in another state. If what they're doing is really awesome and definitive, they'll probably like have a good shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I had a friend of mine contacted me yesterday because she was talking to one of her friends is the guy that uh, makes the oatmeal. Makes the oatmeal. You know the oatmeal? Oh, the oatmeal. I was like, wait, like shut com- up. What like oatmeal? Like, be more specific, Patrick. I get it. The website. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> and he's like looking into like doing animation stuff. And mm. as soon as that Kickstarter went, he just did a Kickstarter. They got like $8.7 million. Because everyone loves the oatmeal. Yeah, because everybody <laughs> loves the oatmeal. And um, like like day one, Nickelodeon approached him, apparently. Yeah. To like do something. And um, he said he went through like meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And he was like, I can't. I can't spend more time on this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, was and he just talking somebody like or? that can just like do it on their own. Exactly. You know? And I mean, was it a lot of talking about stuff or not committing to something or? I don't know. Cause this is kind of like pass through for me. Yeah. Like I wasn't the one like communicating. I was just getting the secondhand knowledge. So I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes that happens where like you meet someone that's talented and exciting, mm-hmm. but it's a part of the job is knowing when to, Tell them what you're kind of looking for and hoping that as you walk away and leave them alone, that they'll actually work on it. Right. Like two, three meetings after that, you know, they either come in with something or maybe they were just want to work on their own projects elsewhere. I think he's probably like um, struggling with the same thing that we see from a lot of like creative EPs, which is, you know, like the balance between wanting to have control and relinquishing control to like a group of people. That's where coming... That's where coming in the door, knowing what you want to make, is actually like the best protective armor you can wear as a creative. If you come in and you're kind of like with just a log line, you're wishy washy. Mm-hmm. It's human nature for whoever you're talking to to want to help you fill in those blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about being rigid or not about like taking notes or getting notes. It's about if you really have a clear idea of what you're talking about and what you want to make, and it it's genuinely in line with what that person's responding to, you'll have a much easier time of it than somebody who's just come in with something sort of half-baked because then you have all these cooks in the kitchen that are going to help you finish making that cake. And that's where it gets really messy. And it's funny when the, you know, like the cooks know, you know, it's not, it's not their first time in the kitchen, you know? So so it's somebody that's like walked through 14 of these projects, sits down with somebody that's never made a project before, and they're like, oh, well, I've got this character that does this thing, and, like, isn't that funny, and can we make a show out of that? 
yeah and then, and then like the executives are like well you know like the, you, what's his best friend like where does he live where does you know and starts asking these questions and it's yeah. human nature like they want to help you move it along faster it's mm. not about taking it away from you or changing it a lot it's just if they see holes if I think the best thing to do is just ask those questions mm -hmm. and then see if they want to fill them in or not. It's better to ask the question rather than pitch out the answer first. Mm -hmm. And then if someone gets stuck on something, you can like flip them three options just to get the wheels turning. Right, right, right. But sometimes they just take those options too and that's fine. Interesting. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, up to lately? Um, gosh, it's been a couple different things. I've mostly just been taking pitches and meeting new people, looking for projects to get together. Mm -hmm. um, the market's really changing. Uh, I sat down with Netflix earlier this week, and it's more about, it's like I was saying, where like they kind of want things that are fully fleshed out and mm -hmm. don't bring in the cake completely half-baked. And that can mean different things to where you're going, because to some people that means an animatic, to other people that just means know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just been looking for different things to get them started and packaged and up, because digital content, or at least what digital content means, is becoming all content. In a way, it's not about it's not just about consumable two minute bites. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's differentiate like, that for people. In a way, like you know, you can watch a show on Netflix on your iPad, and you're getting it a la carte. Sure. And you're getting it piecemeal. It's not a part of like TV in a traditional sense, mm -hmm. but it is TV. It's a TV show. Mm -hmm. But because it's not on a channel that you're getting through, you know, Comcast or something, right. it's become a part of this digital space. So I think the quality long form content is able to like sort of move on to different platforms and just it's been really interesting to look at different ways to get that produced and more importantly get it seen because people are more used to or at least the younger generations are getting more used to finding things that way mm -hmm. and it's not like a stretch of you know needing a million algorithms to tell them what they might like they yeah. kind of know just by even word of mouth what's kind of new and exciting yeah one of the things that I'm always like <laughs> I just want Netflix to have a page that I can see. I want them to trend against all of my friends that have Netflix. Yeah. And I want all my friends to have rated the content that they've watched. And then I want to be able to like sort the content so that I can see what my friends are watching and you want what like they Netflix like and, and, and Facebook to merge kind and create of. a new algorithm kind for well, you. I just want, I want a menu <laughs> system where it's like, let me sort by stars. Yeah. You know, and like, let's just exclude the group to people that I know. Yeah, that would that would be an, a very worthwhile like little bar. You know, to but have it's down like there. I get I turn the Netflix on on Apple TV and I just get like five bars, and each bar has like ten different options in them. That's, so I'm like yeah. so I'm like at the video store looking at boxes without mm -hmm. reading the backs of the boxes, and I'm like, okay, I guess this thing with <laughs> John Voight and you know Eddie Murphy is going to be good or whatever I hope that's a real thing yeah. um, <laughs> if it's It'd not be I awesome bet movie. I bet we could get them both to come together and make whatever it is in your mind yeah. that you want that movie to be um no I think there's definitely more to be done on the front of mm -hmm. how people are finding it but it's sort of like word of mouth gets you places like Kimmy Schmidt yeah um I mean did you watch that I'm like four or five episodes in okay it's Have super racist it? right like <laughs> um, it's a little racist, but you know what? We're going back and watching uh, 30 Rocks. Were those and there are episodes of 30 Rock where yeah. I'm just like frozen because it's so racist. It's and it's, I don't think it means to be racist. 
No. And like I remember at the time, like it I was think it's not racist. racist at the time. It's racist in the way things from like maybe like the late nineties, early two thousands were racist, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is just right, normal." Right. 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 <laughs> it's like the eighty year old that's like racist. And yeah. He just doesn't know better. Exactly. Like he's <laughs> going to get some like great Oriental food from those nice Orientals down right, the street. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> He still but, calls them Orientals. But there are, like, they say things on 30 Rock that are, like, shocking. Yeah. That are, like, shockingly racist at some point. Yeah, and it's like, every, but I was surprised to see that in, in Kimmy Schmidt. Because it's, there are moments where it feels very of the time now. Yeah. And then there were other moments where I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. What's really going on with this character? What's really, like, some of the jokes or even just, like, the perspective on the city sometimes mm-hmm. was a little... Um, I loved it. I loved the show. I can't say enough good things about it, but yeah. that was trippy. That was like they time capsuled like a period of TV history and like inserted it into a contemporary show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, in the first episode when they start playing the credits, it like, I got up and I checked my internet connection. Cause I was like, is this my computer glitching? Yeah. Cause I was like <laughs> literally watched it on a computer in bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, my internet must be messing up because it's like all like, it's all like auto tuned, you know? Yeah. That was my impression of auto tuning, by the way. It's really good. <laughs> you did a really good job. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show, though. I mean, I think it's funny. It's not. It's not as funny as Thirty Rock. I don't think. I. I it's, think you can see Tina Fey. Like yes. Tina Fey shows up and does like three jokes an episode yeah. and you can pinpoint exactly which jokes they are. And those <laughs> I just like, I'm dying, you know? And then the rest of it is like sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of like washing over me. There are moments where like it's very traditional sitcom and then there'll be something, a, a subtle joke. And it's just very true to character that's mm-hmm. slipped in there. They usually don't last more than four seconds. They're very quick. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that land. Yeah. Um, uh, there was the episode where, like, she was sort of having, like, a, a birthday party, and her boyfriend had to bring ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he he'd sent her a present over, and she had named, like, the teddy bear. And he just kind of, like, very deadpan looks at her and was like, oh, you did that without me? Okay. Um, and, like, that was, like, a great, like, joke where it was, like, I wasn't laughing, but I was amused. And then that one very subtle moment, like, actually got me to laugh out loud. And I was like, okay, I'm yeah. engaged again. Like, yeah. that was just honest enough that I had to pay attention. Yeah. But... I mean, they're doing a good job with it, and the content's only getting better and better. So I do think there's just a lot more opportunities out there with what we watch and the way we watch it. Oh, especially like, yeah, especially Netflix. Yeah. What was it like meeting with the Netflix people? Not awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they? Where are they? They're in right Beverly now? Hills. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, they're, everyone there is really, really nice. Um, and they're really smart, and they know exactly what they're, they're looking for and what they're mm-hmm. doing, and... You know, it, it's really a, an interesting company because Nickelodeon is so specific. Mm. And, you know, obviously, you know, when I talk about my experience with these companies, I'm not talking on behalf of them or even kind of like expressing an opinion that they would have on anything. But disclaimer, disclaimer. But, you know, it's, it's Nickelodeon's a programming network for children. Yeah, and it's yeah, a very yeah. specific market, whereas mm. Netflix is something that is for everyone. It's, you know, it's a distribution. It's like to say the theater. It doesn't right, mean right, any right. specific thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's a place for all of it to go. Yeah. And so the people that work there are just very, they're very knowledgeable in like a lot of different genres and a lot of different ways to make content and mm-hmm. everyone sort of has their niche, but, and then within that they are experts, but there's an awareness of just making things for people. That's kind of refreshing. What do you think about Apple's move to take cable off? Um, off the cable. Someone's, I mean, I think, 
eventually it's going to happen. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's going to, I mean, it's going to happen really soon. And I think it, people are moving forward with it. It's just about, I, I mean, good for them. It's like whoever does it first kind of wins. Yeah. It's like a movie premiere. It's like yeah. if you have two movies that are kind of similar, whoever premieres first gets the benefit of the doubt and they're a little bit more advantageous. So it's, it is inevitable. Are we it talking is, about Armageddon? <laughs> huh? Are we talking about Armageddon? Like yes, we are talking deep, about Armageddon. Deep Impact, Armageddon. Exactly, yes. Um, or anything like Mega Mind, Despicable Me, like okay. anything that's similar. Ants. Uh, yes, Ants versus Bugs Life, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoever comes out first wins, or at least survives. Uh-huh. So I, I really applaud anybody who's sort of making a move in that direction right now because it's scary. It's a huge investment. It may or may not work out, but you know someone's going to do it. Like it's it's like waiting for someone to win. Someone has to be king. That's what, um, do you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but do you know who Peter Thiel is? Mm-mm. Peter Thiel is like one of the uh, dot-com like venture capitalists. He's one of the guys that started PayPal. And he like, I think like funded Google originally mm-hmm. and just did, did, you know, like is a major venture capitalist up there. And he wrote this book, actually like what he teaches at Stanford. And one of his students collected his notes and he was getting ready to write a book anyway so he was like Mm -hmm. can you can you look over my notes and make sure they're all right and so peter like saw them and was like oh i was gonna write a book anyway i'm just gonna use your notes you know (laughs) (laughs) like a true entrepreneur yeah (laughs) and then put both our names on it and sell the book um but it's really good and he talks about like people have this view of monopolies where monopolies are like things that are bad and things that don't innovate and things like that, but it's the opposite is true. It's the fulfillment of success. Yeah, because like, <laughs> like an airline company, for example, there's no room to grow. Like they're making like sixty cents a ticket, mm-hmm. and there's no profit margin. And it might be like a one hundred and sixty billion dollar business, but like one hundred and fifty five billion dollars of it is cost. Yeah, you know, so like they're not making any, and there's no money to be made anywhere, mm-hmm. and. Um, when you've got something like cable that's I'm a not monopoly. Sure. They make their money on like the sandwiches and like the little bag of chips you have to spend four dollars on. Right, right. I don't know how much <laughs> money they're making now. But like so when it comes to a monopoly, that's the first place a venture capitalist is gonna put their money. Because if mm-hmm. there's one guy out there doing T V, if there's one cable company, yeah. They're gonna show up and be if somebody shows up with an idea that's like, Hey, we're gonna take over the monopoly. Yeah, let's eat their lunch. It's like all margin. It's yeah. all margin. So that's where venture capitalists put their money. So monopolies are the first things to get like taken down and replaced with better monopolies. So yeah. I think that's what Netflix is doing. Yeah, I mean, good for them, with honestly. Cable, and I think like Apple wants to get into that game. And people, will, there's just like, there's a decade of like I think it's also challenge about, in there. It's about figuring out ways to, and I mean, Apple in some ways, I, don't, I wonder what Apple's, grand plan can be because they are with the iphone they've got to be connected with a lot of you know the different phone companies and wi-fi services so it's sort of like how do you redefine access to the internet because you need the internet in order to get access to the content Mm -hmm. and avoid the bottleneck of like the time warner comcast Mm -hmm. providers like you know i mean like what's at&t's role in this or is there a new company that they do like how do you get like wire wireless internet access so that you can have this non-cable bottlenecked content out there for people yeah and that'll be interesting to see too because 
you know, cable and internet right now is so intertwined that there's, it may, like, it makes sense as to how, like, the monopoly is existing right now and mm-hmm. why it is going to be kind of hard to get every household to break off of it because you don't want to have, like, who wants an extra account when you can have, yeah. like, you know, your beautiful AT&T bundle with everything, like, wrapped in together. Yeah. Um, and so it's about making it convenient and then also wireless. But then the Comcast is adding, like, free Wi-Fi everywhere where it's, like, you know, they're creating hotspots in between people that are actually like, paying for the service. So eventually it'll just become like this free Wi-Fi world. Yeah. And that in a lot of ways is kind of the key to the kingdom because it's like they don't control the water, but they are controlling the pipes. Right, right, right. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think there's a couple like moving pieces in there, but um, it'll be interesting to see who finds a way to get all of it in, under one umbrella. Yeah, that's really weird. I think by the time that we get there, it'll start to like splinter out again, you know? Yeah. I feel like we're in that 80s phase where all the companies are like consolidating <laughs> and getting yes. bigger. You remember? And then we had to like all be IBM. De- deconstruct <laughs> all the like break up AT&T. Yeah. And, uh, Sprint and all those little guys. Yeah, so they can just come back together stronger. There'll be one good solar storm that just takes out the satellites. <laughs> Landlines. They're the wave <laughs> of the future, you guys. <laughs> we'll, all have to, we'll all have to like talk for like three days while they put new satellites in orbit. Yeah, exactly. Although that's crazy. Like every 200 years, there's like a solar storm that hits Earth that in theory is strong enough to wipe out all the satellites we have. We've just never felt that effect because satellites just haven't been there. So like even within like recent history, like going back to the 1800s or so, there were these solar storms that could like, you know, we had a particularly hot day. That was the only mm-hmm. backlash. But if one of them, like, you know, there was that one that almost hit last year, but kind of missed us. If one of them really lands, like, yeah, kind of like, you know, a reset button. <laughs> yeah. For a little while, at least, you know, before they get more stuff. Before up there. they get them up there. But at and the like, same time, like, yeah. How long do those, I mean, how long does that flash last, though? Is it a flash or is it it's up a there flash, for like but it destroys it. Or, right. Yeah. So we, st- we still have like half of them. Yeah, you'll have half of them. It's, the it's, of it's like twelve hours because yeah. it's like a slow moving like creep through space because it comes from the sun and then it like works its way towards Earth. Okay, and it's just like it's like a wave rolling in, but instead of water, it's just pure radiation. Yeah, that's <laughs> really exciting. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be great, you guys. <laughs> just pull out your rotodial phone. <laughs> I read this thing today. I don't even know where it was, but it was like, um, it was would would like would a submarine. Maybe it was on Reddit. Would a submarine, how long would a submarine last in space? And the answer was like. Like two seconds. Yeah, like zero (laughs) time. But like the reason why it wouldn't last in space is because everybody would just get baked instantly. Because Mm -hmm. in space, there's apparently heat is spread out across all of the air and all of like everything that we experience. And it's non discriminatory. (laughs) Yeah, up in space, there's no like, it's perfectly insulated because it's a Mm -hmm. vacuum. Yeah. So that means that, like, the shuttle or the space station up there, like, half of their energy is going to air conditioning Mm -hmm. at any given time because it's the heat from the sun would just fry you instantly. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, air conditioning is really important, you guys. Like, imagine. I didn't think about that. It's like a really weird concept to think that, like, vacuum is a perfect insulator. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. Just cooks everything. Just blows my mind. (laughs) Space space you doing anything for easter it's easter weekend i know it is i know it is you see this guy this is the wall street journal today oh man let me see it's the this guy this guy the pope. <laughs> he, he looks, looks great he looks like jonathan price doesn't he yeah he does i want jonathan price to like play his role i, I like it he's wearing the silver cross it's very modest yeah 
Very understated. It matches the white. What do you think the weight of the robes are? Um, let me see what they're... I wonder what they're made out of. Is it linen, silk? I mean, you find out it's like some cheap Joanne fabric. It's made out of people. <laughs> <laughs> the robes are people. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, um, every now and then I get a little like nostalgic for my youth because I grew up in I grew up in Florida, which is uh-huh. pretty southern, Southern Baptist home. It's which like fourteen percent. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like in the town we were, everyone was either Baptist or Presbyterian, and like my family wasn't traditional Caucasian white. Like my mom was Spanish, and my dad's like he's American, but his parents were Albanian. So mm. I was born Orthodox, but raised Baptist just because of location. Um, so Easter was a thing and every now and then I kind of think like, oh, should I stop by like, like St. Sophia's or something? And then I remember they have like a different holiday calendar anyway, mm-hmm. but this weekend I'm just going to be real chill about it, I guess. Go to a friend's house, do what millennials do and recreate our youth. So yeah. we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, it's going to do, we're going to do all the great things that we did when we were six years old because okay. it worked then it works now. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> great. How about you? Um, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing it. And the only the time anti I, Easter. Yeah, I didn't even know it was Easter. You're gonna and, Taco Bell. Um, I was what? You said you're gonna go to Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Just like double fisting little tacos, like Easter. <laughs> like 36 ounce Mountain Dews. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I yeah, like uh, we were very Catholic growing up. We went to church. I went to like uh, in New York. We went to church every Sunday and stuff like that. And my like my dad was. Uh, in the seminary when he was in high school okay and then like left and um i have a an uncle that's a priest and it's like so you guys love jesus like you love jesus no i mean we're, <laughs> it was constantly a fight growing up it was constantly a fight growing up you know yeah. it was kind of like um i had a fight one weekend where like the language in the fight was i don't care where you go but you've got to go somewhere and mm-hmm. so like from that point on like the construct changed so there was one sunday where i got woken up and it was like time to go to church and i was like my service is at 11 not at nine <laughs> and they're like what are you talking about and i was mm-hmm. like i'm going to the buddhist temple in potomac you know and <laughs> excellent I, and so i went to the buddhist temple for a while just to like be be different not there yeah, yeah. just to not be at church which was like the Buddhist temple was like totally worse. It's like a four hour service. Yeah, no, you didn't speak <laughs> yourself anything, you're like man. Trapped there. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it made you more interesting. <laughs> yeah. And they're really judgy too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For as open as they say, because I've gone to a couple services there and like I must have some bad juju because those priests just give me the dirtiest, dirtiest looks. Really? And I'm like, oh, you can tell I'm a capitalist. And like, you see it in my eyes, don't you? <laughs> Day. I had this weird experience where um, I went to, when Saving Private Ryan came out. Uh, I saw it with a bunch of my friends, and my buddy Brett was like, "Hey, look, look, look!" Because there were like three Buddhist monks in front of us, mm-hmm. and like my reaction to that was like, "Oh, I know those guys because I knew them from the temple." Uh-huh. <laughs> so like I said hi to them, but it's like super weird, like seeing like Buddhist monks from the temple yeah. at Saving Private Ryan, which is like a pretty not... violent movie. Yeah, but it's soulful, <laughs> it's deep, it's the human experience. Yeah, I mean they're just not denying themselves, no. you know. Well, Rome is like that where like if you walk around rome you just see like a little like four little nuns going to a store and like two priests like having dinner and drinking wine um because they're just out and about living their (laughs) lives and it's it's very common (laughs) it's like half the population though 
Yeah, well, it's like even when you take a flight out of Rome, there's like mm. usually like a guy in like you know his like full like priest like just outfit everything, and yeah. he's like got like the three like baby Jack Daniels like on his tray. <laughs> I can't like I uh, I studied abroad in Italy, and I think that you can't live in Italy, and you you get two things: you have to become a smoker. Yes. Because you're either smoking your cigarettes or somebody else's because everybody's smoking. Mm -hmm. And, like, everybody leaves Catholic. Yeah. Like, there is just a level of... Oh, I've been absolved of my sins three times in Rome. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I used to... I only went to Rome for, like, a week. And I spent three of the days of the week, like, going to St. Peter's. and And just, like... Like shooting the shit with a priest in a confessional, not even like confessing, <laughs> just like, yeah, you know, like asking those questions. Is God so powerful that even he can create something that can lift a rock? That even I mean, you're at like the headquarters. Like you need to, yeah, you need yeah. to know. And those guys are good. Yeah, they they have answers to any question you have. Oh my gosh, they've heard it all. Did, how I told you about like the statue at St. Peter's, Mm-mm. or did you did you rub the statue? No, there's a. I didn't touch anything at St. Peter's. Oh man, I touched everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm immune to every disease now. Um, <laughs> sorry, if you've ever been to St. Peter's, like everybody from everyone, every walk of life, every country, like people just walk through there, like it's the. I imagine like St. Peter's and like Disney World has like oh, yeah. the same sort of demographic like mix up. Yeah. But there's this statue in St. Peter's where if you rub the left foot of St. Peter, it absolves you of your sins because um, it's been like consecrated and blessed. So there's no foot left. It's just a nub. It's like now you're just getting like his ankle. Where is that? Where is that? It's like on the right side of the wall, and there's usually like a line. It's it's very indiscreet. Like you'd I think there'd no be I- banners or yeah, something. I like no you know, idea what that is. I never quick even drop heard by about here. That. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's like a door that I forget if they open it up like once every 10 years or once every 100 years, but there's like a special door in the Vatican. It's huge. And they open it up. And if you walk through it, you're like, it's just like a new you. No, new me, new really? year, new door. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. Because I remember when I was younger, that... they had it open and they're like, that was, uh-huh. they, they leave it open for the year. Right, because right, right. It, it's open it's so like a rarely. pilgrimage thing you yeah. Go and you, yeah it's like a portal yeah but it, it's it's also it's you know a door wow. <laughs> but um <laughs> i just remember I, I remember getting there and being like for all over italy every church you go to there's like a dead pope laying there when you walk in yeah like every church and every town you walk into there's like this little like three foot and they're only like three three feet big and mm-hmm. they're in these glass cases, and they're, like, mummified, and they mm-hmm. look like Santa Claus because that's what, like, the Cardinals' yeah. outfits used to look like. And, like, <laughs> and everywhere. So, like, I went into St. Peter's, and I was like, I want to see the St. Peter. I want to see yes. St. Peter, you know? He's down there. And he's down there, yeah. But you go to that, like, you go to the center. It's like some servant. Like, yeah, it's like, this, it's like this little box. Yeah. You know? It's like this little jewelry box. And they're like, yeah, he's in there. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. You open it up. It's like a, like a Tootsie Pop. Yeah, right. <laughs> it could be There's anything a, in there. It could be anything. <laughs> we had, um, I had a month in Siena where like there were a hundred kids in some complex, and then they had overrun of like twenty kids. Mm-hmm. So they booked us in this like bed and breakfast that used to be a convent mm-hmm. in Siena. So like there was this building that used to be like where they where they slept and stayed. And then there was like a cloister and then there was a giant church, mm-hmm. you know? So we had uh, Padre Paolo 
was this Franciscan monk that would come out and like take care of the grounds, you know, and like yeah. talk to us and like teach us Italian stuff and get mad at us for barbecuing. Okay, yeah. Barbecued once. You know? <laughs> he was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. He's like, "What are you like? Americans can't go anywhere without eating meat." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's completely true. Um, but he used to say there was this. There's a church in Siena that has like a miracle. You know, all the churches have yeah. like the miracle, which is like the consecrated like artifact or whatever. And this church's miracle was that they had like host the you know like the bread that you take mm-hmm. at communion. They had host that was like 800 years old or something like that. And like the miracle was that like it hasn't like degraded at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'd have this conversation with this Franciscan yeah, McDonald's monk. bread is like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you leave it out overnight, <laughs> it like solidifies into a plastic. Anyways, right. keep going. Well, if, you know, like, and if you've ever had, like, if you've ever taken communion and you've eaten that bread, like that bread like, is probably 800 years old. <laughs> of course it held up, yeah, man. Yeah, there's nothing in there. No, it's like, it's like a rice cracker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they ke- and they keep it in this like sealed glass box too and i was like come on like but also who started that who's like you guys if we plan today yeah. in 800 years they'll be thanking us yeah yeah it's like from day one someone had to be like let's just save this well, and see every, how long every church has to have a relic <laughs> yeah right that's the deal with a church is to yeah. make a new church you have to have a relic so like if you're an italian church you're old enough that like and I mean, today when they put up a church, they're like, "Oh, this was like part of the leather of a shoe from they're reaching, Mother Teresa." Or yeah, something, they're reaching you know, back they're... to like Pope Joan, like the Pope yeah. don't even want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. So I'm sitting there with this Fran- Franciscan monk, and I'm just like, 800 years, right?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "So what's the what's the real story?" And he's yeah. like, "He's like, no, it just hasn't, you know, it's it's last." I'm like, "Come on." What's no. the real story? Uh, he's not gonna, why would like, he tell you? And he, he wouldn't crack. <laughs> Three times I asked at him. He, I asked him, and he was like, okay, look. Oh, wait, so this is like biblical now. Yeah, so it's like, like the third time he's he, got it. Yeah, he's like, okay, look. He's like, it's a miracle, mm-hmm. and we all agree that it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe the Jesuits visit the church in the middle of the night once a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out a new host. But we don't know what they do in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's they they take the old host, so it's like they recycle. They take the old host, they use it to make new hosts. And so it's it's like in Chucky when they like the burn Chucky doll, like gets little bits of it into the new Chucky doll and that imbues it with the power of like Charles Barkley and then it becomes a new Chucky doll. Right? Like that's how it's Is Chucky's host. name Charles Barkley? I forgot the name. I forgot the name that he, like his actual serial killer was. But I I'm getting it confused because I feel like Barkley was the boy. But the serial killer that was Chucky, I forget. All right, we can look it up. But those are definitely two character names in that movie. I, <laughs> I to this day I can't even really watch those movies. Like not not because ones. they're bad, not because they're bad, but because like if I have a little kid, I'm making them watch the first really? one. Really? Oh, it's gonna because it's like the ultimate betrayal. They're so terrifying. It's so it's, it's so, so ter- jacked. It's so terrifying for me to see a child like a child's toy come to life. Yes. And then, but it's so stupid because it's like there's voodoo magic, and I'm sorry, like we were having a really deep conversation, then I just made it super like no, this is basic. Great. This is great. But 
No, because there's like this voodoo guy who's like like lives in like Skid Row and who's like making magic so the serial killer can like live forever in this doll, and like the plot of it's really amazing, <laughs> and they treat it all super. It wasn't sincere. even like a Haitian voodoo guy. It was no, like he's like in guy L.A. Skid Row. <laughs> it's like some guy with no teeth <laughs> in some busted apartment somewhere. I don't even remember, but I feel like visually my description holds up. <laughs> All I'm saying is go back and rewatch these movies. Okay. They're okay. gems. Okay. They're wonderful. I think that the first one is due for a remake because, you know, the franchise, it lost its way. Like, it became an imitation of itself. Yeah. But the first two are really solid. The third one's kind of in the middle. It's it's kind of like, you know, Chucky goes to camp. Right, right, but right. <laughs> the is there a space one? Is Not yet. Space one? I'm oh, sure yeah. they'll put him and he'll find that leprechaun up there yeah, and they'll hang yeah. out. Yeah, it's usually a space one. They sent Jason into space too. I remember they that. They did. Yeah. Man, tough. <laughs> we, I just watched um, Candyman. I haven't seen that in years. When I, I was, couldn't even. When I was little, I couldn't. Like, it was rumored. It was just rumored to be too scary to watch. And they'd have those posters with the B on the eye, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd be like, I'd, no. I'd seen like it. You know, like, it scared the shit out of me, that clown running around yeah. and, like, killing people and stuff. And I just remember at the time being like, that I'm just not even going to mess with that, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I watched it recently, and it's terrible. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I couldn't get the, I was, I had a very refined it's horror It's about, taste. like, a white woman that goes into the ghetto and, like, yes. finds this, like, urban myth of yeah. this, like slave dude that died or something yes. and like there's like a bonfire and it's just <laughs> it's a mess it's a mess <laughs> i i was so sophisticated as a child like I, I couldn't get scared by it but i was terrified by that scene in poltergeist mm-hmm. when like the little toys start coming to life in the bedroom and you know the when the boy gets scared of the little clown that yeah. one scene was more frightening to me than all of it yeah um and then i don't know it's sort of like a chainsaw flying around yeah yeah no, that was great. And then, like, even when, like, you know, the mom falls into, like, you know, the half-made, like, swimming pool, and then the bodies come up in the mud, and they're just, like, Ooh, uh, grabbing her. Yeah. It's a good scene. Yeah. Well That's done. a scary movie. <laughs> it holds up, too. I had see- I think I had blocked it out, because I saw it when I was younger, and I didn't... The tree, I, I saw it a couple years ago, and I didn't remember any of it. And I was, like, it's a Spielberg movie, right? Yeah, And I Spielberg. was just, like, oh, Spielberg did this movie, and I've never seen it's, this. And it's so patient. Yeah, and people were, like, you've seen this. And I was, like... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, can, I slightly remember the end when the uh, like house implodes into like yeah. the energy vortex or whatever. And that was the first movie that was like Indian burial grounds. That was the second one. That, that was, was the sequel. second. What was the first one? Oh, first, that was the second one. Yes. First, so the, okay, maybe, there's maybe three. That's why. Okay. Um, no, the, it does. Do, the house kind of like it's sucked up into a vortex yeah. in the first one. Yeah. The second one is when they go find that Native American guy to like go back to the site because he says but the this, site they built the house on, like the the development was built on, like the burial like, grounds, right? Every movie, it's like they added a layer to it. So the first one, it's sort of like it was built on a cemetery. Okay. Then it's the Indian burial ground mixed with the fact that there was like some cult leader who like trapped mm. everybody underground as well and they get into that in the first one too okay. but they dig deeper with it in the second one um, <laughs> she's so serious right I'm, now <laughs> you guys i really love these movies um <laughs> so much so that i'm actually planning a trip to like go see the vortexes in arizona in the next couple of weeks. oh yeah yeah in sedona arizona there are these vortexes and each one has like a different energy uh-huh. um 
I've been trying to recruit different people to go with me, but everyone brings their own like baggage of like, it's going to be too hot and I don't want to hike and let's make it a tour. And like, I'm going alone now. You're hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going alone now. <laughs> but like, no. So in Arizona, there are these vortexes as well. So mm. it's, it's this mishmash of like every version of cursed land um, yeah. in the first two movies. And then the third one is basically like, Poltergeist in New York. Yeah, it's the city, right? It's <laughs> yeah. the one with like the like the hand the on the TV. Um, is that the one with the hand on the TV? That's the first one. That's the first the, one. The third one is with all the mirrors in the apartment right. complex in right. New York. And then Tom Skerritt's in it. Oh, really? I'll watch anything with Tom Skerritt. <laughs> He's great, you guys. Steel Magnolias. Holds up. Yeah? <laughs> Picket fences? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Does he have a star on, on the Walk of Fame? He should. I don't know. You should. Know. What was the one with Drew Barrymore? It's so well known. I can't remember it. Um. Oh my gosh, it's the one with like the friend and the little girl from Roseanne. She's like seducing Tom Skerritt. And they made a sequel with Alyssa Milano. I don't know. Oh, I'm pulling my phone up to look at this. Do it. Do it. Keep going. Anyways, the Poltergeist <laughs> movies are great, you guys. Um. <laughs> um. Yes, but no. So which trip will include the vortexes of Sedona? Yeah. And then I'm also going to do... Um, what are the vortexes? Are the vortexes... I've seen things online where it's like the... Um, there's like a weird magnetic energy or there's yeah. one that's like... Uh, I don't Like expect- the perspective and fallen trees like doesn't make sense. Do you know what I'm talking about? I... That's kind of weird. No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. They all have different energies and they have different, um, I guess, healing attributes. And, and they're supposed to even affect some things with perspective visually. Mm-hmm. It's not really a thing that you see, though. I fully expect to take my little map, go on a three-hour hike in the desert alone. Um, I'll definitely let some people know when I go. So if yeah, I don't come you gotta, back. You're going to have a transponder, right? Huh? Exactly. Because you get sucked into the vortex? Because that's I'm really worried. Yeah. Um, really worried that's going to happen. But, I, I mean, you go there, and I probably won't see anything. I'll just stand there, twirl around for a little bit, drink, like, a box juice, and then keep going. I'm looking it up. It says <laughs> there are four <laughs> box it, juice. Yes. It says there are four <laughs> vortexes. There are multiple ones, yeah. There's an airport vortex. Oh, God. Why would you build an airport on a vortex? Faster travel. <laughs> <laughs> Just get there. And then out. Poison Ivy. That was the Tom Scare gem I was thinking of. Poison Ivy. Poison okay. Ivy. Yes. It's excellent. There's one. It says that there's one at Cathedral Rock. I'm going to. Uh, I don't know. I have to figure out. I'm going to go to three of them. I want to hit up those two. But I was going to say is there's this haunted town 40 minutes east of it as well. Jerome. Um, and it's an abandoned mining town. You're breaking my brain right now. They have two haunted hotels, both of which I will be staying at. One is in a, a converted asylum. Um, and yeah, that's nice, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and then the other one is on top. It's just six rooms on top of an old saloon that burned down. And they swear that two of the rooms were super haunted. Um, and it, it's, it was an old hotel back in the town. And you know it was a saloon restaurant on the bottom, a few rooms at the top you could stay in. So that's still around as well. The asylum is pretty creepy looking because they haven't made it. It's like a mix of like an old Holiday Inn from 25 years ago with just like paint on cement for the walls. Um, so you, you can definitely that's feel terrifying. the hospital vibe going on. Mm-hmm. And then you can also feel like the someone turned this into a hotel with a very basic attempt to make it a hotel. <laughs> Are we talking about this grand hotel? Yes. It's the Grand Hotel, huh? Yeah. Jerome host hunting on selected weeknights. 
Interesting. And oh, and these people know what they've got because they like will rent the gear out to you, like at the the concierge desk. You're really? like, if you want to go ghost hunting through the hallways, really? yes. <laughs> the like, saloon won't do that for you. How many um, night cameras do you want? <laughs> you want like a yeah. an EM meter. <laughs> so it'll be good. I'm just gonna sit there and see, just see the vibe yeah, of the place. Growing up, growing up, man, we would take these vacations to Europe, and my mom like would always find some haunted castle or whatever. We'd always yeah. have to stay in the haunted room, and like, there's just this. Your mom's awesome. Yeah, she loved you. She is. She is <laughs> totally awesome. But it's like the the psychological grind that you put yourself through going into that situation like almost mm-hmm. creates the ghosts for you yeah maybe i don't know i my really? expectations are super low for the the asylum one uh-huh. although asylums are creepy because like i went to school in florida state which is supposed to be super haunted and because it was on like it was built over the old execution well, obviously, site obviously, yeah because yeah. it was a women's college so uh-huh. it's like the cheapest land you can get is clearly like the land where you murdered people <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but I would do pottery, and for some reason, our like pottery lab, like the wheel throwing rooms, and like all the, like the studio space was adjacent. And, like I mean, in the same building as like the psych ward, where they would have like actual like mental patients. For, mm-hmm. Like, and it's been the psych ward since the beginning of the university. And it was just there was this door with like five million locks on it, and like two double doors, and it was like don't enter here. And, like, who the hell are they keeping back here? And it's just me in this little room with like different knives and like carving equipment and like yeah. all of this like makeshift weaponry to like cut into like stoneware. And then just two doors over is God only knows what mystery awaits. Um, and so of course you go there, if you're an art student or you're any kind of studio art, you're like, it's 2 a.m. I know I'll go down to the lab and make a bowl. Um, <laughs> so you're down there at three in the morning <laughs> oh working God. on whatever sculpture you're working on. And you just hear these creepy noises where it's like there are patients that are spending the night in there because it's Mm. like a hospital wing. And your mind just starts to kind of go really wild, especially on that campus, too, because, like, you know, Ted Bundy's stopped by. Like, different serial killers love to, like, hit up for the state. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, I don't know why if, like, when you're a serial killer, there's, like, some online community where they're like, listen, Florida State, those girls, they're creeping around at 4 a.m. Schools that are swamp adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Probably pretty high. You on the want list. you want some good wooded areas behind <laughs> yeah, a sorority yeah. house. Or deserts, deserts are probably pretty good. No, that's got you can't no because then you just leave it out there. There's no yeah. you can't dig and there's no brush to like hide it under. You can't do it by a desert. But that's Come how on, they Patrick. did it in House of Cards. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, swamp wood adjacent sorority houses, Tallahassee. That's Florida. fine. That's pretty cool. I've always wanted to go to. I had. Um, I've got two stories that come to mind. Uh, one is there is a town in Pennsylvania where there was like the coal mines caught on fire mm-hmm. and they're still burning. Do you know what Silent Hill is? The video game Silent Hill. I know about that. It's based yeah. on this town. Okay. So this town is still like you can go and it's an abandoned town and there are cracks in the road and there's like smoke coming up through the cracks because the coal's still on fire. It's been on fire for like fifty years. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go there. That's great. I want to go there one one like Christmas when I go home. It's like <laughs> it's Christmas morning, you guys. Let's go to yeah, Silent let's Hill. Just, yeah, let's just go to. I I forget where it is. That's awesome. Um, Silent Hill. Just just grab the kids, put them in the car. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> Your Jack Skellington C- Christmas. C- uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, is what it's called. It's awesome. And there are pictures you can look up online, and it's just like it's pretty terrifying. 
Yeah. Um, and the second story was I had these friends that were per- from Pennsylvania and um, they had this group of friends and one of the friends was like the drug dealer, right? Mm-hmm. So this kid like... Like any group of friends. There's the kid that's... He's not really even a friend. He just brings the drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who that, invited him? Is that not Trust normal? Me. That's not normal? <laughs> it's like the modern day equivalent of like a rich friend that no one likes, but he has a pool. Anyways... <laughs> So you got to keep him around because, like, you know that he'll buy the pizzas. All right, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Um, So this dude ended up, like, buying a house in, like, a government auction, right? There was, like, a government auction, and he thought it'd be funny to, like, use some of his money to, like, buy this house. So Mm -hmm. he bought this house out in the middle of nowhere. And they would all go to this house and, like, drink and, like, do drugs as kids, Mm -hmm. you know, in high school and stuff. And then, and uh, they did this for, like, there was a good, like, three months where they would, yeah. like, do this. It's like Bef- a golden summer. Before summer. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Before summer. <laughs> we can make this whole beautiful movie about yeah. boys bonding and yeah. then just, like, in the third act, have it turn into what you're about to start your story. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> they're hanging out outside. You know, they're, like, hanging out outside one day. And this friend of mine, like, looks over at the house. Mm-hmm. And if you count the windows... There's an extra window mm-hmm. that isn't accounted for when you're in the house. Yeah, because I was about to ask, what defines an extra window? Yeah, <laughs> okay, so, like, so. so like if you go into the house and you go into the rooms and you count how many windows there are from the inside, and mm-hmm. then you go outside the house, there's like an extra so part of like the house. Secret, there's so there's a like room. a secret room. Yeah. There's like, and so she like sees that there's like this window mm-hmm. that they don't, yes. know, you know, <laughs> and the guy that bought the house had like, known about it because he had he had seen it before and he was like just you know like we're just not gonna mess with that <laughs> uh. <laughs> and it's like what so they started to like they started to like peel the wallpaper gotta be a off way of in. the walls yeah and it w- there was like a makeshift wall mm-hmm. that was built inside the house to like cordon off this other so something had been walled in there so there's a, an extra room that had like been Augustine walled in style, nice. yeah and like they I, they never messed with it. This story doesn't go anywhere. No, they don't no. Know what's, they don't know what's in the room because, like, if you find a secret room in your house that's been walled off, you yeah. just leave. No. Yeah, just leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was clearly walled in in there. Um, no, so it, the movie version of this is you have two acts of just this beautiful golden summer. Like, it's it's wonderful. Like, indie film, happy-go-lucky bullshit. People, yeah. want it, like, running through wheat fields and, yeah. like, taking drugs. And then, like, in the third act, like, all these little adventures that don't go anywhere. And then, like, oh, another little adventure. Let's see what's behind this wall. And then you just end it with 15 minutes of carnage. <laughs> I'm just, like, my every monstrosity you can think of. Just, like, Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story. Just, like, cram it into the last 15 oh minutes. God. And, and then they just never leave the house. They're trapped there after their, like, beautiful summer. Like, they get walled in? Yes, exactly. And, and that's just the it. thing that happens every and you, now and then? you've spent 60 minutes telling telling this other story where it's like some kid's going to get his life together and his mom's going to like stop drinking and he'll get the girl and all this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And then just end it with that. So you've seen Cabin in the Woods, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. 
but they they don't they started too soon like i mean that's just one where like it keeps going yeah we're like it, in joss whedon style it's, and it's also basically like the last two seasons of angel um <laughs> where it's sort of like it just keeps going and then of course you get to like the business of being evil and like the sigourney weaver aspect <laughs> of it um <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about wait I, in cabin about, in the tell woods tell me about the last two seasons of did you see Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've seen the last two yeah, seasons yeah, yeah. of Angel. Oh, okay. Where, like, it, they get to, like, Evil Incorporated, and the last season of Angel is where, like, Angel takes a job working for, like, the Antichrist, where they're trying to, like, make the apocalypse happen in this corporation. Oh, really? Much like in, ca- like, the company that was yeah. running everything in Cabin in, in the Woods. Right, right. This is just a theme that he loves. Um, it's a good idea. It's yeah. a good theme. Yeah. And it was, like, some entertainment law firm out in Century City um, that was running all of these like (laughs) evil, evil plans representing the demons across the world. Kind of like a, a mix between like I don't want to name any companies, but like you know, like your like Death Star agency with like right, your right. powerhouse like law firm combined, and then they represent Satan. <laughs> so and then Angel takes it over. That's the deal they make. Is they're like, okay, well, we'll we won't destroy Earth, but Angel, you're so special. We need you to come run our company. And so they totally jump the shark, and then and then they bring back Spike, um, and it's just it's great. <laughs> it's great, you guys. <laughs> It's great in the absence of Buffy. Is that the deal, or is it just great by itself? It's, I mean, they get so far off track. Mm. It's like, remember how Buffy had that, like, militarized version of, like, vampires? I wasn't. Oh, uh, there was, like, a season arc where, like, the military had an awareness and an involvement in controlling and use of vampires to make, like, super soldiers or something. And the X-Files tried to do it for, like, four episodes, but then, like, got bored. Yeah. Um, but so he, he's into like the industrialization of, or like the monetization of like evil supernatural things. Right, right. But on Angel, it just went so far. And then Cabin in the Woods was all of that, where yeah. they're just sort of recreating like the okay. Friday the 13th movies. Yeah, yeah. But that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Rants with Juliana. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I, um, before you got here, I was reading this thing on that's called the the trolley dilemma. What's that? Have you ever heard of the the trolley dilemma? I'd never heard of this thing either. Um, it's a uh, it's like a Judy Garland ghost. No, no it's a it's a <laughs> Yale. It's kind of off topic. It's a um, it's like a Yale law paper on like a paradox where you've got a trolley that's going to hit five people on the track, mm-hmm. or you turn the track. Like, you flip the switch, and you deviate the trolley, but in that case, it's going to hit one person and kill them. Okay. So, it's, like, morally, what's right and why? So, you've got two options. Like, you're Mm going to kill somebody. Do you kill the five people, or do you kill the one person? Well, I think that's operating under the assumption that the five people are somehow fate, but the second the person becomes aware of their choice, the five people are as much of a choice as the one person, right? Right. So it's kind of just like, isn't it obvious then? <laughs> like, just so, kill fewer people. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it goes on. Like, it, it goes, this thing is like 100 pages long, and they yeah. just keep, like, they go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And every time you, yeah, because the first thought is like, yeah, you sacrifice the one for the others. Yeah, but so, or is it like, do they start getting into like, oh, well, it's one person you well, know? Well, what they say is, okay, so you're a surgeon mm-hmm. and a guy walks in. So you're a surgeon and there are five people that you've got that you can save. Mm-hmm. 
if you have five different organs. And this guy walks in, and he's the perfect candidate to save all the five people if you harvest his organs. Well, that's probably more of what they're going for in the trolley dilemma, because the trolley dilemma is is difficult because that's a run that's like a runaway train, and you have to make a choice. Even if you let the tracks keep going, you're choosing to let the five people die, right. as opposed to the surgeon's dilemma, where you have one person that is completely innocuous and isn't a part of this runaway train situation. Like the surgeon, in theory, could do nothing and just let everything go. So. Right, yeah. right. Well, that, I mean, so that becomes the del- dilemma and the trolley dilemma is... Well, because if you do nothing, then you're definitely going to let the five is, die. Yeah, because you have to examine acting versus not acting mm-hmm. in the scenario, and you have to examine... So they like they add a layer to it, and they say, let's say you're the conductor of the train. The mm-hmm. train is run away. You're responsible. So you're headed for these five people. So you can choose not to act. Mm-hmm. and the five people will die or you presume that the five people are already dead so it's not your responsibility or you take action and you switch the track which means that you've taken action so you're actively killing one person mm-hmm. instead of letting letting the course of fate s- so like does the course of fate versus actively choosing to kill one individual is one morally right than the other and that's where, like, the surgeon's yeah. dilemma comes in because it's, like, obviously you can't, like, harvest this guy's organs to save five people. Yeah. You know, without his consent. But it's, like, yeah, I don't know. So it's just, Well, like, yeah, I think it's it's a little different just because the surgeon's dilemma doesn't have, like, the momentum behind it or, like, that sense of something will happen either way. Mm-hmm. Where it's, you know, the surgeon's dilemma is more of, like, what's more valuable, whereas the trolley one, at least in my mind, it feels like... It, like it's going down either way either way something's losing and that's more of an accident okay rather than like you know having i don't know there's just something slower about the surgeon's one where like i feel like if you can think about it and you're not forced to react in theory like those those five people will die in the surgeon's dilemma whereas in the trolley one those five people will probably live because one is just more instinctual whereas the other one is sort of like it, it feels more optional in right my mind. right yeah. right i mean so okay so let's say uh, one of the constructs they have too is so let's say the trolley operator who's in responsible responsible for the mm-hmm. runaway train like before like the sc- scenario presents itself and this dude just passes out mm-hmm. so he's like out of commission mm-hmm. and you're a bystander mm-hmm. so now so when it, when you were the trolley operator seeing the runaway train, knowing that the brakes wouldn't stop in time, mm-hmm. you like the differences in the choice were make a choice and kill one person, mm-hmm. or not, or act and kill one person, not act and kill five, or so now as a bystander, they're like both active choice, like you're like yeah. choosing, you're choosing to act or not act. Yeah. So then, what's the morality behind choosing? Because, yeah. like, you can just be like, this isn't my responsibility. Which is probably more instinctual, honestly, where most people are just kind of frozen and they're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. As opposed well, to. Well, I'm reading this thing and I'm culpable. thinking, like, the right, the right choice is probably, like, jump out of the train so like, that you get out of that lights, train. There's no liability. You just went full politician where you're just like, I'm, I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, I just, just wasn't there. You're well, Switzerland. Well, like, then it, like, gets into this weird, like, weird, like, uh, Kantian 
like philosophical logic where let's say the track is a loop and because uh can't uh said that you can't you can't use somebody as the means to an end interaction with somebody always has to be the end Mm -hmm. is like the example that they bring up in the article so let's say the track is in a loop if the track's in a loop and you hit the one guy and it stops the trolley so it doesn't hit the other five, mm-hmm. is it okay? Because before, it's okay to kill the one guy to not kill the five. Yeah. Like, we just feel like that's okay, intrinsically, because yeah. you're trading, you know, two scenarios that will happen, yes. right? And um, so, but what if you're using that one guy in order to save the five, like yeah. specifically rather than I don't know. Yeah, that's more like the surgeon's dilemma then. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's weird that like this one thing can bring up so many different Yeah. Like, and then, I don't know, there's something weird about it cuz it's like the trolley one makes that decision very like palpable and like you know, the surgeon's dilemma is like, "Oh no, of course you can't do that. That's wrong." It's it's interesting the preconceived notions that you bring into it whereas like the second you would hear the word accident to something, yeah. suddenly, like, everything becomes a little bit more acceptable. Right, right. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, what happens if that becomes, like, a court case? Let's say that you're the innocent bystander. You step in. You choose to kill the one guy versus killing the five guys. Mm-hmm. And then the five guys that used to be on the track just, like, run off. Yeah, they just, like... Now you're just, like, on the hook for manslaughter for killing one person. Because you made that choice. Because by the time authority comes up, like you, you were really afraid of getting in trouble. Like you've taken this like this <laughs> philosophical thing twice, and it's like a politician mentality where it's like I wasn't at the strip club, sir. And then you have this other like response where it's like, oh, these guys are gonna screw me. Fuck them. Let's like cr- crush them with this trolley. <laughs> it's you're like right, you versus right. the world, man. You're right. You're right. That is kind of how I think. <laughs> You caught me. <laughs> this is interesting. I'm learning so much about you. But uh, that like, is... I immediately like tried to find the flaw in the question, but <laughs> right, right. I mean, no, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. It's, it's a funny, funny situation. Yeah, I kind of operate from that uh, pretext, you know. Like I've, there, um, like people are scared to come in contact with the police because the police. Because the popo, like, <laughs> they are actively, like, making choices now that are, like, not their responsibility to make, I think. Like, I think that, like, I'm tired of watching people that are, like, running away after stealing something, like, mm-hmm. get shot. Yeah. Like, you don't get to decide who lives or dies. Like, there's no death penalty for Yeah, and you probably theft. don't have, like, that great of an aim. Like, oh, I'll just take him out to the kneecaps. Like, no. Right, right, right. It's getting a little intense. Although, did you hear about that bill that got passed a little while back where, um, like, buried within it was the right where the police can sort of, like, search your house, go through your phone calls, go through your email without a warrant now, provided that the request – your local police can do this – provided that the request comes from the federal government or the executive office. Really? Yes. So like you're no. you're yeah, no. This is like past. So like your sheriff can't be like, "Oh, I think that guy's a murderer." But if it's important enough, right. Then like if it's important enough that whoever is in office or whoever is like around there is like, "I want to know what's what this guy's up to." Yeah. Your local law enforcement. It's like they don't have to send down like the men in black suits or anything like that. Your local law enforcement can just go through your house 
provided the order comes from those federal offices. Right. It's kind of crazy. Without a warrant, without anything. Which means, like, yeah, it's it's getting... It's like, who blocks that, you know? Yeah, like well, it's... Are, you know? I mean, but it's to the point where it's... You know, before, if they did that and they found something and they tried to nail you across with it, it wouldn't hold up because they didn't go through the right channels to get right. it. Now they're just saying, nope, no channels. If we find anything, regardless of whether or not we have just cause to go through it, yeah. if it's done with, you know, this request behind it, with this authority behind it, it's all going to hold up. So it's like, who's to even say what they find anymore? That's terrifying to me. It's See, so you, ha- you have to operate under the pretext mm-hmm. that, like, if you or under the pretense that, like, you... Like any any contact with the state can like has like an extreme negative possibility outcome. I think the infrastructure is there now. The way that the power is set up is that if you come in contact with these people, like they have the ability through very little action to like destroy the entire house of cards that you built. Yeah, pretty (laughs) pretty much, And, and it's getting to a place where like you can't even do anything in response after the fact. Um. And I don't think it's that it's happening on the daily as much right now, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting that someone is planting the seeds so yeah. that shouldn't when they want to use all of this stuff, they can quite easily. Yeah. So it's it's some foresight. Like someone's really planning to just be able to get in there and do whatever they want whenever they want. Yeah, I, I totally <laughs> agree with that. And so it's just, I guess, a matter of time. Have you seen the uh, Pacific, what is it, the Pacific Trade Agreement? Mm-mm. Um, there's a thing that they passed that nobody really like noticed. Well, are they burying it in other stuff where it's like, yeah. you know, better lunches and schools, and also we need ah, and like yeah. insert your evil bill here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this uh, Pacific Trade Agreement is basically like, um, WikiLe- WikiLeaks like has all the documents online, but if you look at it, it's, it's. It's meant to be like a NAFTA with the Pacific. So mm-hmm. it's meant to be like a NAFTA with China and with like okay. uh, Japan and all that stuff. But it's the Orientals. Yes, I understand. Patrick. Well, I mean, like Australia, <laughs> New Zealand are over there. I think they're a yeah. part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I think like Fiji's in there or something. Um, but it's like what the articles do, too, is they establish like an international court system that's essentially run by corporations mm-hmm. that supersedes the the sovereign authority of of like sovereign nations in their decision making policies to levy like so all these companies can get together and say reparations this is for court cases that yeah. they have so they can all get together and say like, this is corporate law and it can be yeah. above and beyond any actual any particular government's legal system yeah exactly so like if a if like the con- if if the congress of australia for example wants to n- wants to have a bigger uh, warning label mm-hmm. on cigarettes that they sell. Yeah. Marlboro can sue Australia in a court that supersedes their sovereign authority. Yeah, that they're in charge of. That they're in charge of. So if they pass that law and they started to make that mm-hmm. change, then they would have to pay some, like, fine that's... But if I was, like... <laughs> I mean, like, what authoritates this group, like, this specific trade agreement? Like, because if I was the government of, like, one of these countries, like, let's say I'm the... You know, let's say I'm the prime minister in, right. in this situation. Right. I was kind of be like, oh, no, 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 no. That's fake. This is real. And then just, like, assert my authority over them. Because it's, I mean, that's sort but of operating. Sign, but you sign the contract. So, I mean, but, I mean, each government is actually, like, agreeing to yeah. this. Like, so they're saying that this is, like, they're uh, they're handing over this authority Yeah, it's to an them. international treaty. 
But it's like, to what degree? They're like, those are broken every day. Like, not every day, but like, they're just, I mean, they are. Like, every now and then, like, people are like, you know, backsies. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, we're talking about like a mentality where if you, you know, like, if you get your 50 in- bucks, is, they don't mean it. If you- <laughs> I think, they do, I think they do though. I, I until the, the until the bet. okay until they don't. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like everything's fine until it actually happens in a place where one of these countries decide that they don't like the outcome. And then they're just like, you know what, treaties off, and then it goes away because all it is is an agreement. Right, but then they have to break an international treaty. And yeah, then and then what? They can get sanctioned. They are probably like clauses in the contract that say, you know, it's like yeah, there's like a fee that hey, like, you come can walk collect. Out, you can walk out of your lease whenever you want. Exactly. But and if you're and if you really don't want to pay you can always just not pay like what are they gonna do like they're gonna bust into their bank and take all their gold coins like no Uh, yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know what they do at that point i i I believe if anyone really wants to rebel from something they can but the infrastructure itself is frightening Mm -hmm. and most people in that position are probably going to weenie out and do whatever it is the court tells them to do like there's not going to be like some john wayne prime minister who's like no well there have been (laughs) there have been examples of like south american nations that like don't have a gdp like they've got a gdp that's like a tenth yeah of what like you know marlboro or philip morris's like, no, exactly. They're annual revenue is so like they're not going to be able to compete with. No, with and they want the court. money as well, and they probably won't complain because I mean, I'm just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it's not that it's going to affect like the paperwork of it all, but it's really going to affect our labor laws. Yeah, and the people. Yeah, like that's why you if if I were in charge of this evil corporation's court, the first <laughs> thing I would want to do is figure out ways I could easily exploit people without getting in trouble for it and whether it's child labor i mean honestly like no human trafficking whatever whatever business these young entrepreneurs want to pursue they in a way will probably pursue like the most dark-seated like side of it because that's why you need this law right that's why you need this ability you don't need these yeah you don't need these laws if you're doing everything on the up and up yeah, unless you're doing something super sketch. Which is happening like more and more lately. So, is, so like, I'm you saying... You read these laws and you're like, dude, you don't need the Clean Air Act if you're not putting yeah. impurities into the air. Oh, in my mind, I'm just assuming that they're going to build like a farm for girls where they just like grow little girls. <laughs> Jesus. And they, like, they like ship them out and it's like, that's I've ended your surgeon's dilemma courtesy <laughs> of this new trade agreement. Because we'll just take morality out of the equation. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, Jeez. you need more kidneys? I have a guy <laughs> who owns a farm. Yeah. You know, it's like out like on the coastline in Japan. Don't worry about it. It's all straight and fair. It's Whoa, covered. That's dark. <laughs> that is dark. What? But it's like, I mean, in theory, like if you have absolute authority, you go for the most expensive thing. And it's not gonna be about where you toss your trash. Like that's saving you like what? Like five percent, like maybe fifteen yeah. percent. Like if you really wanna make money then you are going to go into the, the way in which you make the most money. And Things it's usually going to be, yeah, it's yeah. going to be busted yeah. and it's going to have high margins and it's going to yeah. usually include like little people with tiny fingers who can sew beautifully. <laughs> you know, there's a line in Schindler's list about that. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, serious. <laughs> Careful. Well, I'm not saying that these are my plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, in theory, when you give man absolute authority, he usually does oh, the absolutely. same thing with it over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's ancient Rome or like just all the great empires, they eventually get to that place where nothing has value except money. Yeah. 
nothing and what himself. You, what do you think does that? I mean, like, what do you, I don't. I Ego. I understand because I'm at such a low level of like financial wealth, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I understand what more money, how more money's nice, but I don't understand the difference between having like $10 billion and having $13 billion, you know, like I don't understand ego. that difference. Well, because it's like you find, it is ego. you find new ways to spend it where it's like my jeans, you know, you go from like the $30 jeans at Sears to the $200 jeans to the $20,000 jeans. And suddenly, like, the $20,000 jeans become normalized, and anything less is just disgusting. <laughs> but what's the difference intrinsic in the jeans? You know, like, are you really getting, like, if you're buying the $9,000 bottle of wine, are you really getting, you know, I don't know, maybe like they, like, crush up diamonds 80, inside. $8,100 worth of wine more than the... They just, like, cut little, like, $100 bills into it. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's, like, you start dealing with the who, the context of the, the property and the object. Yeah. And, I mean, I really do believe it's all ego because once your ego reaches a certain point, everything in your life and everything that you see is only a reflection of yourself. Therefore, it must all be the best because you are the best. And that's where you start to lose sight of, like, humanity or anything that's remotely humbling because it's all really just there to service you therefore it must be perfect right but that's what like isn't that so there's like a false heuristic in there right where you are uh you're creating this empire to give yourself i i like the ultimate goal as a human being and you just deserve be it. like laying on a couch 24 yes. hours a day and not doing anything like a lion yes right <laughs> like, like a lion like that must be yeah. the, like i need enough wealth that like i'm taking care of for like the next like 13 generations it's like there will be blood all he wanted was enough money that he could bash some guy's brains in a bowling alley and not have it matter and not have it matter right? <laughs> That's it. That was the whole point of that movie. <laughs> but the hype, but the, but when you get there, like mm -hmm. you, there has to be a point where you bash somebody's brains in, in a bowling alley. Yeah. You know? So like, exactly. So because like nothing matters. Right. So the you want to be God. That's it. We just want to be God. And with enough money, <laughs> we can achieve that. <laughs> but you can't because you have to like every level of the wealth creates an extra layer of like management that you have to deal with maintenance yeah and maintenance so and so but eventually like you'll just like find people you can control it's wealth and control because that's the other thing like god has to control like you gotta like it's not enough that you're looking at it as maintenance as things that are unruly but if you truly view yourself as superior which most people in these positions do right right but like let's you say, probably are pretty good at controlling the people underneath you but let's say you've got let's say you've got two people underneath you that are controlling 50 percent of the empire right yes and so you've what's got, to stop lucifer from branching out and being like well, i can you, do my own shit let's say yeah <laughs> let's say you've got three for every person yeah. you bring into that like paradigm is makes, a liability is a liability so mm -hmm. like any control you have over them becomes increasingly more an illusion yes unless you really find ways to dominate them on a psychological level because you're looking at people that you're just paying <laughs> patrick you're a very bad emperor <laughs> that's love to be seen <laughs> you're assuming that you're only paying these people for their loyalty but you have to like have enough like that's why I think you always need, like, henchmen around you. Because mm. you have to be able to leverage life and death over, like, your authoritative crew. Whoa. Where it's like, you're the vice president today. <laughs> <That's> dark. 
<laughs> no, I'm thinking about it. It's like, how do I, you're right, how do I manage this guy? <laughs> how come we haven't seen that? Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't see that movie in the 80s where like a CEO throws a knife to like two vice presidents and it's just like, one of you walks out of here, go. Well, it's like, how hasn't that, how did that not become a movie in the 80s? Well, it's like, you need a situation. The problem is, is you have to be kind enough to stop them from walking out the door and going to a competitor. But if you have a true monopoly, like an empire, there's yeah. nowhere to go. Yeah. Then the only, then the last thing that you leverage is life and death. So you need a monopoly or an infrastructure where in the moment it feels like all is lost. Like there's no, there's nowhere left to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've given this a lot of you thought. You have given this a lot of thought. This is like terrifying. <laughs> But it's true. That's why it doesn't work in the 80s. It's like you have to be dealing with somebody. And I mean, it could. Like, there could be a situation where there's someone who's got truly all the cards and, and they've got you cornered. Um, but that's where politics sometimes makes uh, politics and money combined can give you that scenario. But just money alone really can't do it because you can always find a way out if you're willing to let go of the money. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, you have to be dealing with the only way you can truly control someone like that is if they're pathologically greedy, which then then you can make your movie. So right. that's some good development work for that character right there. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's yeah, yeah. You, you have to do, figure out what you they want. You get into a matrix of like blood feuds and like yeah. generational like like vendettas yeah and, and, and figuring out like, like that's where that's where empire collapse comes from yes. you know it comes from just being able to uh man i watched this thing on well once people find things that matter more to them than whatever you're leveraging against them and usually it's resentment pride love the irrational things in like the human mind <laughs> that you can't control that's when you have a rebellion on your hands yeah, yeah. that's why like the true like like the Napoleons of the world, they're not just going through and crushing out the opposition. They're going through the churches and cutting off the monks' hands. They're stopping the literature. They're crushing yeah, yeah. The, that free will, that free thought, because they know that's what's going to get them in the end. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, I mean, little known fact, Machiavelli, actually a great comedy writer. Yep. Really? Not a philosopher. He was a playwright. <laughs> but are we talking like, we're we talking traditional comedy or are we talking yeah. funny comedy? Where, I mean, where he was like a playwright like he wrote like was it the mandragola which is like a mm -hmm. funny romp about a guy that gets cuckolded um <laughs> and then so really like all, that I, just I, happened, that <laughs> just happened. <laughs> no but it's true so it's like you're looking at me like i'm some genius but in actuality like it makes sense that from development you can stand back and look at any person as a character and uh -huh. say what do they need to achieve x y and z to get from point a to point b in the right. story and so, like, when you look how Machiavelli wrote The Prince, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at his other body of work, which are really a couple of, like, you know, critical plays written to comment on, like, you know, the authoritative powers of the time, and then he gets exiled, and he goes off and he writes The Prince. And he's like, okay, now I'm going to really give you a parody that's worth something. Because yeah. they're parodies, but they're so honest and true, and a lot of it does hold up. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> for, for if you're planning to take over the world whoever's listening yeah, don't a, just stop at the prince you have to read all of it opening. because he had a sense of humor he knew he was just it's really funny how simple it can kind of be but you could i mean you could get away with that stuff back then you could if you're napoleon you could get away with that stuff yeah you can't, i mean like there are a couple of countries back then, having a it hasn't even been a hundred years since hitler couple of <laughs> back then <laughs> a couple of countries are having a hard time with it now yeah yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, that's a good thing where like they're yeah, not getting totally. a, that's what you want, where people have wisened up to what it looks like. Yeah. They, they know what the, how the duck waddles. 
So <laughs> it's just about making sure that they don't forget. <laughs> it's true. That's why there's usually a good break because it's like generations get lazy. They forget what it looks like. But I feel like we have enough access and exposure to history and content that we know you know, in theory, we should know the red flags. Although, you know, someone's clearly building an infrastructure to get us there again. Right, right, right. So maybe we right. don't. But, the, you know, the action has an equal and opposite reaction. So, yeah, you know, that's what scares me is that, you know, the, the same predictors of same predictors of like a really nice utopia in the future mm -hmm. are the same predictors of like a really violent change leading to a really nice utopia in the future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the That's, same cycles yeah. where it's like dependency, um, you know, people just stop being innovative, everything collapses and then people, I don't know. It's interesting because it's like the very thing that makes us go that crazy is ego is the very thing that like builds us up and makes us our best. Whereas mm -hmm. people are like working towards something and want to build something. Yeah. It's just when you want to like building something versus building everything are different. <laughs> Does it, yeah, and I think right now what's unique about right now versus other times, and maybe I'm like, you know, maybe this is short sighted, but I think that right now we have there's so many different things happening at once that back then you could only do one thing or the other. There was yeah. only like red or blue. You know, there was like, am I going to clean the turnips go... today or am I going to milk the cow? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But now you've got like, you know, so it's is the whole population going to work on like building this transportation system or is the whole population going to work on, you know, farming or is the whole population? No, the, the answer has been iPads, iPods, and then figuring out like who's going to crush cable. Like we could have been like out of our like galaxy by right, now if we had right. put our minds to it and like stayed like true to like the space race and like where we were putting our technological advances but now i have a phone that probably does more than anything any computer or any guy working on the apollo mission could have dreamed of oh yeah and we could not get to the moon if we had to right now you don't like, think so we don't oh, we don't we actually own so we, don't, we don't even own the equipment that's my point yeah like yeah. we don't we actually don't have the stuff we do it's broken uh, no it's broken the space shuttle was meant I to mean, be an interim if we needed to tomorrow we would have to borrow something from russia no, no, like no. hey can i have a cup of milk bt dubs what are you doing i don't think so i don't think no, so i space think we're in, shuttle's broken. i think we're in the pro i think we're in the process of like the privatization of like that i think people are working is on it, gonna it make it is it going to make it exponential so we're going from a place where there's been like a central source for like the three rockets we use to like now there will be five organizations the there are five, five organizations working on these rockets. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, my point is, though, think about it. Like, they made a little temporary band-aid of a program to patch up between the Apollo mission and what was supposed to come after. And there actually hasn't been anything since. This thing that they were supposed to use for, like, five or six years is what they've been using for the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. It wasn't yeah. built to last. It wasn't built for what they're using it for. It's falling apart. Like, I mean, you can get it up there, and, like, if you're really lucky, maybe someone won't die. But for what we're capable of, that shouldn't – those shouldn't be the pieces we're working with. It's like for what we're capable oh, of yeah. I I and mean, where we are, yeah, I agree it's with messed you. up. I agree with you. But like if you had to in a pinch, in pull, a pinch, pull one of those things out of the museums, put it on the launch pad. We had to call up a thousand engineers, Virgin Moon. work, work <laughs> a thousand engineer engineers for like a month. Like that I, thing would be ready to do whatever you wanted it to do. I think we have know? we have the capability of it. It's just no one's investing in it. But it's yeah, like yeah. but we couldn't do it tomorrow is yeah. my point. 
I mean, maybe, maybe Virgin Atlantic could. I mean, but we, I just, I we just as a people could I don't believe in this whole thing where, like, the United States, like, doesn't have enough engineers and we don't, oh, like, we teach have... enough math and we, like, can't do the things that we want to because there's not enough, like, resources out there for None us. None of that's and, like, true because yeah, we're doing it. We're so. just doing it to make sure that the Bluetooth in our cars work fl- works flawlessly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we've taken all this amazing technology and turned it into, like, you know, private conveniences because those sell better and have a higher profit margin right. as opposed to looking for things that could, like, you know, advance our society. And I don't think putting man on Mars is going to do it because it's like, yep, it's dirt, we know. Yeah. But it really, really would have been great to just see, you know, how far outside our own galaxy can we really go? And what are those other planets like? Because, yeah. you know, there really are, like, other Earths. Like, if, if you're just looking the at... The problem sti- is it's not, prof- it's not profitable. It's not profitable it's yet. Not, it's not profitable, yeah. But it's, like, it's not profitable yet because you don't know where the profit is. But what yeah. technology is going to come out of that? If you give someone the question of, you know, statistically, there has to be another planet with life on it. If you look at how many galaxies are out there and how many planets are out there, yeah. there will be another one that has gotten their shit together enough to have a civilization of some sort. It doesn't even have to be carbon-based. 100%. Just because the universe is ever-expanding. Yeah. So I just don't understand why, like, if you have this this question that's been put out there, like, who knows what you're going to find? Like, Columbus didn't know he was going to find all this gold. Right. Like, you don't know that it's not profitable. Yeah. You don't know that it's not going to be this thing, but it's not immediately profitable. You do know that. Therefore, no one does it. Right. So, which is a little short-sighted. <laughs> that was e- that was Elon Musk's deal. Like when he was in, uh, when he was like working on his his thesis, he had a professor yeah. that was like, "What you know? What is? Think about the one thing you want to do, like in your life." And he like thought about it for a month and came back and was like, "Like his thing that he like handed into his teacher was he wanted to see." basically this like pot of robots land on mars Mm -hmm. like plant plants green plants against the red background and then have a robot go out far enough to take a picture of the plants against the red martian background (laughs) and he thought that that would be enough to like excite humans to get there and his his professor was like well you you better work hard because this is like there's no profit to be made from this you know today well, yeah. so he's that's he says that's why he started making these companies. Mm-hmm. So he's making these companies to glean enough profit yeah. for the zero sum mission. And which, which is, is <laughs> which is very valiant. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, I mean So it means that all of these things that we're getting are like offshoots mm-hmm. offshoot technologies of like the grand design dream. Which is I mean, that really is as a society, like I mean, it's yeah. that's really where we could be putting our efforts and if yeah. we all got together and did that it wouldn't just be this one guy like rowing the boat by himself obviously he's got his company right. and his vision but it's we as a com- as a country have so many resources at our disposal that we really don't use and it's, i almost don't understand why like why allow it to be privatized because if you look at like the amount of money that's spent like and i'm not like knocking like you know the, our social programs we need those they're so important but what is being spent there versus like the drop in the bucket that something like NASA was like just to take a sliver of that and put it back into like technologies that 
you know, it's not all privatized. So it's not just one guy doing everything and owning it. That it's something that we as like, you know, a people, you know, are doing together and obviously are going to get farther with. Why not? Like, it's really, a, it's really a drop in the bucket compared well, to what we that's have. Where, let's like rope it back to that idea that, okay, so let's, let's say that like the, the grand overlords mm-hmm. are creating <laughs> some kind of shadow government mm-hmm. for some kind of one world order mm-hmm. in which order will be maintained at a local level. We're so awesome, Patrick. Keep going. Like, <laughs> and that this and that this will be this will be stable stable order at a local level right mm-hmm. then you could start to spend less on your global military initiative mm-hmm. and you'd free up some of that capital to be able, be able to be spent on some bigger ideas well it's like so is there like an altru- <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going, is, keep going. is there altruism to the subjugation <laughs> Go back. You lost me. Because it's like... Well, okay. So if we're spending 60% of our budget on this military, yeah. the only way to not... They're telling us that the only way to Which not spend like money Which has like amazing technological right, advances right. that we just don't know about. So it's yeah. like if we're spending that much money on the military, it's like stop building so many tanks and free up some of that budget. But they're like, we can't stop building that many oh, tanks because no, no, They're not spending it on them. tanks. They're spending it on all of this technology and the ability to control absolutely everything, except it's not being done under the CIA. I don't think they're spending half of it. Oh, but here's the thing. No, I really think that they are, except now you've got this one group of the government, the most, with the ability to dominate, with the ability to authoritate, and now with the ability to know and control everything. Why is that one little powerhouse being given that? Why wouldn't you take those technological advances, that like those brilliant minds, and put them in a more creative place where they're really working on the, the things? It doesn't have to be out in the daylight. It can still be... You need it to be secretive. You need it to be this like prioritized thing. Well, how do we know that they're not? Because here's the okay, here's the difference. I'm talking about the separation of church and state. Uh-huh. So I'm saying take that and put it back into something that's NASA-like, where you have your the person in theory that's supposed to be running everything can look at everything, and he's got the idea of where it all is. But I just don't understand why the military needs to have all of control of all of that. That should be separate. That should be its own separate thing. Why are they merged? Why, like, why is it becoming this one unit? It doesn't make it more efficient. It really, it, it's the embryo of the American police state because originally it was separated and it was separated for a reason because you're your general about unification of like the like domestic. And yeah, it, well, it's it's the unification of I mean, it's the unification of the way in which we handle our intel between the CIA and the FBI. Right. It's, the unif- it's the unification of the way we're handling, you know, the way the government's building technology where. Mm. Instead of it being about, you know, getting to the moon and advancing sciences, it's about making sure that we've got the best drones, yeah. which is part of it. That's part of the equation, but it shouldn't be all of it. Yeah. And just take some of those brains and some of those resources and separate them and don't have that plan for that technology under the control of all your generals and everyone else that's trying to do X, Y, and Z with these agendas. Right, right. Let your technology and your brilliance and your agendas be separate. Mm-hmm. Just separate the church and state. Yeah. And that's not happening anymore. But in the 60s, it was separated. And they've been, they tried to merge it for a long time. And they finally did it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now the only question left to answer is why did they do it and what are they going to do with it? Now that there's no more checks and balances. Now that there isn't somebody kind of s- saying that, you know, these powers that we have don't necessarily have to be, you know, be used in the military. They can be used just to benefit, like, you know, humanity or us as a culture. It's all, like, being funneled into this way where it's just, 
there's just something messy about it. Yeah, totally. It's just, it's totally. very weird. I don't know. I, I just and wish they, that but like. But they get that from like leveraging the fear, you know? I don't and even, like, I don't even think it's that. We try. I mean, I can't believe that we, like the budget has, in, in times I think of it's like a financial, cri- in times of financial crisis, they've been like increasing the budget. Yeah. For like that thing. But year I, after I don't year think after it's... year after year. And it's like, if you're telling me you're flying drones instead of, instead of F-16s, mm-hmm. that's cheaper. So yeah. why are we spending money on F-16s? Like, why are you, like... The money, I mean, I think you're right when you you said that the they're not... getting spent. You're I saying the money's like not getting... black sp- funds, and I think they're like... No, the money's getting generals. spent. People think they're like five generals, no. and they're like thousands of generals... Yes. ...that have been generals. Their families have been generals since the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I'm serious. No, but I mean... I, and they own things like property in the Grand Canyon that is like federalized land that yeah. we don't know anything about. Well, I you mean, know, you're saying like, what you're saying is different than what you're saying. You're saying the money's not getting spent. The mm. money is getting spent. And it's just we don't, you don't know where and you don't know on what and you're not supposed right. to know those things. Right. So the money's definitely getting spent. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like instead of funneling it there, just separate church and state. Don't hand everything. Why give the military everything? It's so weird. Yeah, and it's yeah, so yeah. unnatural, and it's not the way things used to work. But somehow all the rules and boundaries got like taken away in the last 25 years, and nobody's noticing, and no one cares. And it's like by the time people figure out what all that means, it's going to be way too late to change it. And it's really, yeah. really freaky. I think it might already I, – I mean, it's a joke. Like I say it as a joke, but I'm like – half-hearted it's a half-hearted truth i think that like whatever game started getting played back in like the 1800s yeah you know whatever like happened on jekyll island when all the bankers got together in like the <laughs> 20s you know like whatever game they've been playing yeah like they won it in the 70s and nobody's ever gonna realize i think 80s but yeah yeah i think i mean they started well, they got closer ago, in the 70s, like yeah. and it's just like they just know now that like they're past they're past that oh, event horizon. They are, and nobody can do anything to stop like the plan that's been set in motion. Yeah, and I, I think that there's privatized companies. The only way to stop it is if people just start to outsmart whatever they're working on. But it's hard too, you know. I mean, it's hard with the way that even these contracts work, where these brilliant engineers are like coming out of college and they're like under these overall exclusive deals where anything that they create, anything they come up with, belongs to this company that's under a contract. That's with the government usually. Yeah. And so whether they know it or not, everything they're making is already tied up. So they can't even take it and spin it out. And it's just, it's so weird because you just don't, you want to almost wonder like why that's accepted as the norm. Mm. Like why wouldn't you say like actually like, you know, back in, there was a time where if I invented something, it was mine until you bought it from me and we yeah. discussed why and how and what it was going to be used for instead of just, you know, Oh, you need a job? Come here. What have you created? What what programming are you working on right, right. now? Okay, yeah, come over here. Don't don't ask what. It's just gonna go into this black hole. Yeah. Instead it, of like, here's the polio vaccine. No more polio. Exactly. <laughs> you know? But I don't know. Though I mean, it's just the, the the more streamlined everything becomes, the much more unmanageable it is. Mm-hmm. And just there's no reason for it other than something I and mean, there's no good reason for it there's no positive reason for it i don't think there's it. any good reason for any of it no you know well it's like that trade ag- it's like that trade agreement like why else would you make that unless you wanted to like unless you know you wanted to do something to do, do something, something really dirty. messed up yeah. and just you know just cages in my mind of just people 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's never going to be like, hey, let's sign this trade agreement so that we can like go into your country and make sure human rights violations aren't being vi- violated. Exactly. You know? Ugh. It's creepy. Oh, well. But man, Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Look at that. It's good. I'm gonna have. We're gonna have the best Easter egg hunt, Patrick. No, my friends are real cute. We get up. We we'll have little dresses, a little potluck. Yeah. <laughs> Crack open some plastic eggs. Sounds fantastic. Need <laughs> some M and M's. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. That's great. Well, we're like up on time. All right. Cool. Thanks for coming by. It was did fun. Good, did you have a good time? I had a good time. You'll have fun coming through this. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I usually do. It's like, it's like sending a model and be like, nope, no makeup today. Just taking the pictures. Just taking the pictures. Just All do right. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was fun, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Okay. <laughs>